not often that we read the book of Deuteronomy to each other. When was the last time you read the book of Deuteronomy with someone? Not too often get an opportunity to look at it. And the passage ends with this beautiful picture that I mentioned with the kids that we are to hold fast to God. For this is what means to know life. We used to use that phrase, cleave, a long, long time ago in weddings. <clears throat> I haven't used it and pulled it out for a long time because most people I'm visiting with have no concept of cleave, so it never chooses to be very helpful. But as said with the kids, there's two meanings to cleave, and cleave is really the word behind holding fast. Debak, it means adhere, it means cling to, it means super glue, it means peanut butter, it means sticking and clinging to God. Either we're doing things that separate us in our relationship with God, such as an axe separating kindling from the main branch, or possibly sometimes we do things that really do have us clinging to God and holding on to God at all costs. Peanut butter and axes. That's sort of the picture today in terms of what kind of relationship we want to have with God. Do we want one that goes to life or one that means separation? And so Deuteronomy talks a lot about this, page upon page for the book of Deuteronomy. I love this book. It's the fifth book of Torah. And these are the scriptures. Torah are the scriptures that Jesus lived into, loved deeply, and came not to cancel, but to fulfill and to deepen. For a moment, though, let's picture Moses. He's who has shared these words in Deuteronomy. His eyes are fading. He's an old man. And word has come to him that he won't get to cross into the new land at the Jordan. So, as you can imagine, with his eyes even fading, looking across the river, seeing the new land to come, had lots of words he wanted to share with the people because they'd been together for a long time. And you might remember, as we review for a second, remember there was captivity, uh, being under the sway of empire of Egypt and broken, a broken people. And God brings promise freedom from captivity, and God delivers on that promise. They're released. Clearly, it's God's hand. They cross a sea, and they spend 40 years. This is at least a generation in Old Testament times and First Testament times. 40 years is a generation where they encountered snakes and unfaithfulness, where they encountered a mountain where they were given a new code for building relationship with one another, and learning how to live in a land together. A code of relationship beginning with God and going out to what it meant to be a people, to live together in a new world. Moses was a part of all of this, central to all of this, talking about building a relationship and seeing God uh, give manna when people were hungry. Manna burgers abounded regularly in the de desert. As I've said before, you wonder what that cookbook looked like, looked like when you had two things to eat, manna and quail, quail kebabs. How many times can you do quail kebabs? Nonetheless, God provided 
again and again. Promise, deliverance, promise, deliverance. God was the one who did it and brought us to this moment. So I see him saying, L'chaim, it's a big toast to the people. L'chaim to you as you enter this new land full of life, full of promise, because God again has delivered on the promise. And so in the midst of this, I'm sure that he's concerned that he lend them what he has come to understand and what this code given by God means. And so it's the how-tos. Deuteronomy is an amazing book of how-tos for Israel as they're entering a new land, how to live there, how to love God, and how to be a people. And you wouldn't believe the things you can find there. I encourage you, really, read Deuteronomy this week. <laughs> Surprise yourself at what you might find there. It's got passages about taking care of your oxen. You know, you're not supposed to muzzle it when they're going around treading the grain. It has pieces in here about when you have a dispute, you need to go to the judges. If you have weight and measures, they need to be just. You give your first fruits to God. Where does our tithing come from? You got it from the book of Deuteronomy. It talks about gleaning in here. Oh, when you have wealthy lands and there's milk and honey, don't take everything to the complete edge. Leave the edge so that the widows, the orphans, and the aliens can have food. Because once you were alien in a foreign land, and you, in turn, will leave the edge. And you know, we hear later with Ruth and Naomi, where did they go? To begin to get supply for their life, they went to the farmers who left gleaning area around the edge of their fields. We see it borne out in Ruth and Naomi. They lived upon the gleanings. We hear about something unusual called debt relief. Anybody with college debt still or other school debt? My children, let's not talk. Deuteronomy spells out debt relief and what it means to relieve one another of this terrible burden. And refuge cities, that if somebody has done something awful, awful and terrible, there will be three cities in each region where people can go to seek safety and shelter. A relationship, it's all about relationship, about how we treated one another and treat our animals and treat the world we live in. It's a book full of encouragement for the people. And this is thousands of years old, right? This is a code and this is a way to live that goes way back into the root of the Hebrew people. This is what life was built upon. Relationship matters relationship to God. Because primary in the heart of this is love the Lord your God, Moses. You can see him just railing. Love God. Please love God. Cling to God. Hold on to God. Because God is the one who is making all this possible. But it's a choice to make. We don't struggle with this choice, do we? Clinging to God can be very difficult can really rattle our chains. What does it mean to wrestle with forgiveness? What does it mean to really wrestle with the words that come to my mind every time I come to Glenwood? Do I want to speak kind words to the other cars I'm encountering there as nobody makes any sense and they're left to right turn according to my way of perceiving it, you understand? 
What does it mean to live in a code and in a way whereby we can treat one another? As we hear from the New Testament that Debbie read, Jesus took these principles and pushed them to be even deeper. He didn't come to cancel the law. He came to push it even further in terms of how we put it on. What does it mean to consider our words to one another? Scripture says in the New Testament that we need to be very careful. I hear a lot of language these days that's really hard to hear. And I think we've lost that anchor as a culture in something that says, this is not how we're supposed to treat one another. Even enemies mentioned in the New Testament and here. Rootage for why we need as a people to believe that how we live our lives, what relationships we build with God and one another, matters. And this book is full of guidance on what we should and shouldn't, should not do, and it becomes a choice. Rob Bell is a very interesting author. He's written a book called The Zim Zum of Love. I just love even saying the name, The Zim Zum of Love. But what he gives us is a picture of God's engagement in this creation around us since the beginning of time, that God, with so much love and care and intent and energy, made it possible to stand back and to create something with great joy, with vigor and vim, with zim and zum. Zim and zum is this picture of energy going around between God and creation. It's being made. And the great joy for God in saying, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I see happening. And it's all about the relationship that God made with all of creation from the beginning, clear out in the cosmos. And it's also what Rob Bell presses us to see in every relationship that we have have a zimzum that it's unique Rhonda if you and I were to spend time today there would be no other relationship like that again today that there'd be an energy and a zimzum between us Jan there'd be a zimzum between us there would be something creative happening that could only happen between the two of us so what does it mean to see this world we live in, to see that God created it, sustained it, poured everything into it, including human beings and creation? And that there's a relationship there that we need to see and know and honor and understand that when we step into it in the loving and kind manner, we in turn are fed because that's how God sustains and made relationships to be. Dear Mother Teresa, don't think that love in order to be genuine has to be extraordinary. What we need is to love without getting tired. How does a lamp burn through the continuous input of small drops of oil? If the drops of oil run out, the light of the lamp will cease, and the bridegroom will say, I don't know you. What are these drops of oil in our lamps? They are the small things of daily life, the faithfulness, the small words, words of kindness, a thought for others, our way of being silent, of looking or speaking or acting. These are the true drops of love that keep your religious life burning like a living flame. We need that flame within us right now for these desperate times in which we live, where people will not talk across aisle, where they will only be red or blue, no willing to try to form a little purple in the middle. 
Relationships matter. The relationship that I have with the folks I disagree with, that's still important because that's a child of God. Deb read this morning in Matthew, there is sun and rain and snow that falls upon all of us alike. Each of us being a child of God is valuable and very important. And we grow and thrive in our ability to work with one another when we can take some time to listen, to see that your energy, you were understanding what God is doing in your life is important to my life. And I have to listen to that. Had a brief meeting with the Speak Your Peace people this week because some of those civility circles have really gone their own way. And we began to dream of a new way in which we could gather people together for significant conversations where what we did was listen. And I know how hard that is. In spending some time at the University of Seniors in January, I was so moved by all the understanding that was going down all the hallways. People's experience, what they had come to see and learn in life. And together we discovered it's so hard to spend a half an hour to just listen and not be able to solve problems because of all the insight that was there. What did it mean to learn to just listen? And I found a group of people that found it impossible. It was so much work to just listen for a half an hour. God listens, calls us to listen, calls us to engage, to discover the other person, zim, to my zum, because it's all a part of how God sustains and has built this creation. Cling, cling to God, says Moses, that you may live, that you might understand this code that God has provided for you for living in a new land. And certainly the challenge that we hear too echoed with Jesus is these words to a broken people, broken by empire, that you are the people that God will use to bring about a new thing in this world around us. So listen to one another, care, do not murder, consider even the issues that were behind your thoughts of murder, what's going on in your heart. When you have enemy, why do you have enemy? What is going on in your heart that you have enemy? Because God loves us all, says Jesus, and blessed and happy are you. L'chaim, Jesus says, when you choose to live this life. So I remember the days when I would pick up my daughter and she would cling tightly to me like glue because she needed me to tell her the words, Mary, it's all right. You don't need to be fearful of this friend, Laurie, of mine. She only cares for good for you. You remember those days, clinging so tight, arms and legs about you that it was impossible to put them down because of the fear they had. And yet, nonetheless, learning to grow up, learning to step away was an important part of our relationship. Yet, nonetheless, I treasured those moments when we clung tight, because I think even now we cling tight to one another in a different way, a grown-up manner in which we call and consult each other. It's so, isn't it great when you can call and consult your daughter? When it comes to certain matters, Mary is very spot on about relationships. Or even another picture, picture of clinging. We've been doing some laundry because laundry we're going out to see Lon's mom this next week to catch her. And what happened? The Kleenex didn't get taken out of the jeans. 
I pulled the laundry out and what did I have? Clinging Kleenex tissue everywhere I turned. I must have taken 10 minutes just to do this. What an image. God hopes we don't pull the Kleenex off. God hopes and wishes out of love all that pours from this. It's not judgment. It's love. Courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is the little voice at the end of day that says, I'll try it again tomorrow. Today, tomorrow, let's zim-zum with God. Let's cling tight and not pull off that Kleenex too quickly. And let's realize that that is life that enables us to be life with one another. Friend, neighbor, an enemy alike. And that is the hope our world is desperate for. Let's take a moment to pray. Oh, be with us, Lord. And yet, indeed, we know you are the one that's always with us. You are the faithful one who clings to us, is stuck to us like glue. And we are the ones that wander away, that we do allow other gods to call us. And so we're praying for your health, help that we can sort and sift that through, what it means to clearly follow you and to cling to you and not let things separate us from you. Help us. And we're so thankful to know that you are the one that promises to be with us and you will deliver on that promise. Thank you, Lord. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.